Hello and welcome to Kyrinos Finsight, the podcast that explores some of the most pressing topics for financial services. Insights that help you navigate today and anticipate tomorrow. Hello and welcome to the Kyrinos Finsights podcast. Today, my guest is Peter Serene, who is Director of Commercial Banking here at Kyrinos. Welcome, Peter, to the podcast. Before we dive in and talk about commercial banking, can you tell us what your role at Kyrinos entails? Thanks, Rutger. Pleasure to be here. Um, I head up the commercial banking practice at Kyrinos. Um, we help commercial banking businesses with data, uh, with analytical software tools, and uh, with strategic advice. Great having you here. You seem to be the man for the job. Um, my first question is around sort of this rate cycle. How is this rate cycle different from previous rate cycles? Great question. This rate cycle is very different from previous rate cycles for four key reasons. One, just the pace and magnitude of increases in the Fed funds rate. Two, the pace and scale at which the Fed is reducing their balance sheet through quantitative tightening. Three, inflation. And four, the level of uncertainty in the macro environment, um, looking at a range of factors from geopolitics to um, ongoing impacts of COVID policies on supply chains. Wow, that that is certainly um, a, a, a very prescriptive recipe that you have there, but it does sound like it's very different because sometimes we, we tend to be lulled in this, this idea of like, hey, every rate cycle is the same, but it, it sounds like this is very different from, from everything else given the convolution of cases that you mentioned here. Can we talk a little bit about the search in the commercial deposits that entered the system, which is now a little bit ago already, but are they still there and how long do we think they will last? Yeah, great question. For those who don't follow commercial deposits, uh, as closely as um, a, as we do day in, day in and day out. You might be surprised to learn that between about March of 2020 and the end of, uh, of 2021, commercial balances grew on average 40%. By comparison, in a normal environment, um, you would expect balances to grow 2, 3, maybe 4% per year. Um, so this was re- really on a scale unlike anything the market has um, a- a- has ever experienced before in the commercial space. The-, the reasons behind that, there were a number of reasons, but in the simplest form, there were uh, a combination of, um, of fiscal policy through all of the different fiscal stimulus packages, whether that was PPP loans or EIP payments to individuals, as well as, uh, as well as monetary policy, zero interest rates, and then all of the money that the Fed created through quantitative easing or bond buying with, with new money uh, just created a massive influx of, of dollars into the system. And those dollars overwhelmingly found their way into commercial deposit bank accounts. That trend is beginning to reverse at this point. There are a number of factors, um, but the, the, the single biggest factor is that the Fed has, has started taking monetary policy in the other direction. So they stopped buying bonds, and now they've started a process of selling bonds. That is pulling money out of the system, and we're seeing that first and foremost in commercial balances. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that also then leads us to the question, how are commercial operations positioned for rising rates? Are, are banks passing high rates to their customers? Yeah. So the flip side of all of that money that was um, that was created and ended up in commercial in commercial deposits is those deposits were sitting in bank accounts. And if you look back over the last year or so, banks have been sitting on a lot more deposits than they had uh, than they had loans to, to 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 deploy them against. 
that is beginning to change. Although on average, banks are still sitting on a lot of deposits or very rich in liquidity, as we might say. But things are beginning to normalize, particularly as commercial lending numbers have, uh, have been relatively strong over the last, uh, last couple of quarters, even as deposits have started to head for the doors. At most banks, it's not, uh, it's, it's not a panic at the moment. Um, they're still sitting on lots of extra liquidity. But now there's light at the end of the tunnel to things beginning to normalize um, and getting back to something that looks more like the normal supply-demand dynamic, um, where banks really need to go out and, and compete for deposits to fund incremental loan growth. They're already earning credit rates, also known as ECR. Uh, they're, they're a big part of commercial banking. Can, can you give us a brief rundown about that and what is happening to them as uh, rates are rising? Earnings credit rates are, are a little bit of a, uh, of a fluke of regulatory history in the, in the United States. Um, until reasonably uh, recently, commercial banks weren't allowed to pay interest on commercial checking accounts. That was as a result of something called Regulation Q. Regulation Q was repealed a number of years ago, but one of its legacies is the earnings credit rate or earnings credit rebate. What this is, is essentially a credit that commercial customers can use to offset their bank fees. They don't get paid it in hard dollar interest. They can't take it with them anywhere. But what they can do is apply it to their statement at the end of every month to offset their fees. Unlike individuals, Many commercial customers pay, uh, pay very large bank fees um, for very specific types of transactions, everything from making a wire or an ACH payment down to pulling an electronic statement, um, the sort of thing as a consumer you might take for granted that you do for free. In commercial banking, there's typically a fee for that. And, uh, and so earnings credit rebates are, are, are an important piece of the value that companies get for their, uh, for, for their cash or for their deposits. In prior cycles, earnings credit rates repriced more slowly than interest-bearing rates. That may be, you know, in part, just sort of the phenomenon that um, you worry about how much return you get on your savings deposits before you worry about how much return you're getting on your checking account. Um, this is kind of the, the commercial equivalent of that. But, uh, but earnings credit rates have started to move, um, and we'll continue to see them, see them creep up. This does have implications for banks. Because as earnings credit rates move up, companies need to keep fewer balances in their checking account to offset all of their bank fees. Now, what are they going to do with that money? Well, they're either going to look to earn a bit of interest on it from the bank, or they're going to take it and invest it somewhere else. So that will create upward pressure on interest expense and downward pressure on balance levels for commercial banks. So there's this interplay between sort of their current account and, and the savings account. So that's how this is playing out into how interest rates are set for commercial savings accounts. Yes. Now, can you talk a bit about how banks should make the determination about which customers should get these higher rates and which ones shouldn't? Great question. One thing to keep in mind here, if we think about a commercial relationship versus an individual relationship um, with a bank, in the commercial relationship, there tends to be more negotiated pricing and there tends to be a more complex product and pricing relationship. So many of these commercial customers will have a loan with the bank. They'll have uh, hundreds of cash management products that they use to manage their working capital with the bank. They'll have deposits with the bank, and they may have other relationships, whether that's through commercial credit card programs, supply chain financing, 
uh, or capital markets. So it's a little bit more complicated in the commercial space. One of the challenges uh, for commercial banks is they think about how they how they deploy exception pricing, whether that's higher rates or larger discounts on other services, is which customers to use those on. In a perfect world, commercial banks would would understand who their primary customers are today and price them fairly, but those customers wouldn't necessarily always command the highest rate from the bank or the very best pricing because they tend to be getting all sorts of other ancillary value from the bank, access to experts, higher levels of service and so forth that go with the relationship. Um, On the other hand, there may be customers that don't have a primary relationship yet with the bank where price is a more important piece of the the connective tissue um, uh, securing the business. Banks want to be in a position to be really deliberate about that, to understand it, and to use price where it makes sense um, as as a mechanism to help deepen the relationship or incentivize cross-sell use of new products. And they may want to use price in a case where it really is a more transactional relationship. The example might be pure wholesale funding. That's a market rate product. And if you want it, you need to use a market rate price to get it. But banks want to be in a position uh, to be intentional and deliberate about the choices that they make. And the key to that is having a set of consistent analytics used to measure customer relationships and understand where you really are in that customer relationship today to inform those decisions. Great. Now, what tools can banks put in the hands of their frontline bankers to help them respond to clients requesting for exception rates? Banks have a ton of data at their disposal, but what they sometimes struggle with is um, is getting all of that data in one place in the hands of the uh, of decision makers on the front line. Um, so the first step is really aggregating data from different lines of business and different platforms in a, in a systematic and consumable way. And then the way you take that forward is by enriching that data with insights from data from outside the bank to provide further context, for example, on a customer's total relationship. And then the last step would be to apply advanced analytics to that data to help drive some behavioral insights to complement the qualitative perspective that bankers may have on a current client situation, allowing them to make more rapid and consistent pricing decisions. Better insights drive faster decisions and better decisions at the front line. That's right. How does lending fit into the equation? We've been talking about deposits and ECRs, but how does lending fit into the equation? Can you give us a sense for where the current loan environment is and are our corporate customers borrowing? So lending is a critical piece of the equation. Um, And for a long time, commercial bankers, I think, would have largely thought of themselves as, as lenders. In fact, some still call themselves lenders. And, and the loan is often the, the center of the relationship. That um, it, it places the bank at the table with the decision makers at the, at, at the company around matters pertaining to the strategic financial decisions of the, uh, of the business. That said, the lending relationship is no longer the end point for the relationship. It's more of a point of departure or a right to win the rest of the business as opposed to a point of arrival. That point of arrival is really placing the bank at the center of the company's uh, cash management or cash conversion cycle through the primary operating account and the payments and collections. That's the piece of the relationship that places banks at the center, not just of the strategic direction of the company, but at the center of the day-to-day operations and optimizations that the the company and the client is uh, using to manage their business. 
in terms of the of the loan environment, that you know, that that comes and goes. We've obviously had a, a number of, uh, of of consecutive quarters of very strong commercial loan growth. The outlook for that going forward is um, is, is somewhat uncertain. That will depend, um, you know, somewhat on on whether or not we end up with a um, sort of a, a moderately soft landing um, to the current monetary tightening underway, um, something that might look like a technical recession, for example, which would be you know, two consecutive quarters of, of, uh, of negative growth, but not necessarily the, some, the sort of thing that everybody feels in um, you know, much higher unemployment, for example. The flip side would be, uh, would be if we ended up in a, in a deeper recession, then that would likely present stronger headwinds to, to commercial loan growth. Yeah, we're in a very unique environment, right? Where, where there is inflation, but there's also a recession potentially on the horizon. And, and like you're saying, like we're, we're, we're still not sure whether there'll be a soft landing or not. But can you talk a little bit about the impact of inflation on commercial banking prices and services? There are impacts to the bank and impacts to the bank's customers. From the bank standpoint, there's been various various forms of uh, of wage inflation that have been felt more or less in different types of jobs and in different markets but despite all the advances in technology delivering commercial banking is still a, a people intensive service it's a high touch service model both uh, both from a relationship management and, and sales standpoint and from a service standpoint um, so costs are going up in that respect and then there are also um, there's if you think about commercial banking um, products and services, some of them are sort of highly digitized. On the other hand, some of them still um, have material inputs, things like paper statements or, or, or armored car services to, to, to collect and deliver coin and currency to, uh, to, to, to retail establishments. The cost of all of that is going up. So what does that mean for banks? Banks are in a position to pass those costs on to their customers to a degree, um, and they're doing that through, um, through treasury management fee pricing. That process typically takes place once a year. Um, in prior years, uh, banks have, have scaled back on it a little bit and, um, and passed through sort of 1% to 2% in total price increases, um, which is below, a little bit below the long-term trend. But this year, banks are, are looking to uh, recoup more in their costs, although the majority um, have signaled price increases that are that are less than the the rates that inflation has been running at for the the majority of the year. So you you mentioned kind of like the physical parts of the business, but also the digital parts of that. We know that consumers have all kinds of digital bells and whistles at their fingertips, much of which has been driven by fintechs who've created these kind of new. Uh, solutions and new widgets. We don't often hear much about fintechs in commercial banking. It, it, are there any examples? Are they a factor in commercial banking at all? Good question. You know, first of all, if you think about uh, about the commercial banking space, um, the largest banks at the very top um, have enormous technology budgets that they can use to build homegrown or largely homegrown or highly customized commercial platforms. As you move down into the into the regional banking space, there are there are software providers that sell white labeled solutions for for those commercial banking platforms, and so they are a very important part of the fintech ecosystem um, for commercial banks and, and commercial customers. The second component is around uh, around fintech partnerships 
Um, so leveraging uh, leveraging APIs or in some case, uh, other forms of, of more direct partnership, all the way up to acquisition in some cases, uh, of fintechs that offer solutions that automate or address ancillary parts of companies' um, cash management needs. No, so there is certainly also the, the the fintech angle to commercial banking. Now, finally, we're, we're asking each each guest, what is a term or acronym or, or, or lingo that you would like to redefine? What what is that for you in commercial banking? Good question. We'll, we'll stay on the theme of deposits uh, because that's um, that's where we started. And one of the questions that that we used to get a lot and still sometimes do is, which deposits are rate sensitive? Which deposits should I pay up for? And I'd like to redefine that to think about instead of which deposits, which customers. So we really look holistically across the total relationship today, the total relationship pricing today, and the potential of that relationship so that we can make a very intentional decision about where we want to spend our interest expense budget. Um, uh, and if you extend that uh, further, also our budget for, for, for discounts or waivers of fees, um, so that we use them on the customer relationships that are either providing the most value today or have the most potential to provide us value in the future. Great. That's a great way to, to, to rethink about that. As always, we're ending with a FinSight fact. So Peter, maybe you can give us the FinSight fact that you brought to us. Oh, well, through August, the average uh, bank commercial deposit portfolio is is down 6.1% year to date. We talked about the big run up in surge balances, um, but but the flip side of that being down 6.1% um, on average at the end of August and trending towards towards a negative 7 to 10% year-on-year average growth number is uncharted territory. Um, As we mentioned, banks are sitting on excess liquidity for the most part, not all of them, but many still are. So it's not yet an emergency, but it is uncharted territory. Yeah. And as you mentioned in the beginning, again, a very unique rate cycle that we're in, never a dull moment. Thank you very much uh, again, Peter, for joining us today. Uh, And as always, thank you to our Kiranos Finsights team, Uh, Robin Seidel is our Director of Thought Leadership, Editing and Production by our Senior Designer, Adrian Cohen, Project Management by our Marketing Communications Manager, Megan Brissett, Music is by Vision Studios. I'm your host, Rutger Van Fossen. You can find more insights at curanos.com. Please subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts.